This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, the Bass Guy. Oh, brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host, Welcome back to the Mighty Tech Alpha. I'm your host, Crystal. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy you here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Real Down. I'm your host, Jimmy Skinner. With me, as always, is Dan Perry, fresh off a big old win. He's a little modest and doesn't want to talk about it, but we're going to make him spill it a little bit. <laughs> I, I never, man, whenever people say, oh, you do, you did great. Oh, oh, oh thanks. I, yeah, Dan's I, got I, that I whole, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, kind of. like, I, I, just, <laughs> I just feel awkward. No, it's all good, uh, but we're definitely going to get to it. Uh, first thing I wanted to, to say for this episode was thanks for all the feedback that everybody's been messaging me about the uh, bonus episode I did uh, with Drew, which I didn't really do too much of that. I just gave him a, gave him a place that he could kind of tell his part of the story on. So, But thanks to everybody that listened to that one and uh, hit me up afterwards. That's kind of cool. We don't, we don't always get a lot of feedback, even though we want it, even if it's terrible. Uh, you know, I'll take any kind of feedback you'll give me, but, uh, but yeah, enough about that. We're going into this week. We got a great and returning guest. Most of y'all could probably guess it, but, uh, as promised, we grabbed the, 
the big clean sweep winner from the KBF world, Russ Snyder's, who just crushed everybody's dreams and took home everything. So how you doing, Russ? Doing good, Jimmy. How are you guys doing? What's up, man? We're making it. Get on. Well, uh, Russ, for anybody that's uh, new to our podcast or new to kayak fishing at all, let everybody know uh, who you are, a little bit about you, how you got into it. Yeah, my name is Russ Snyders. I live here in Nashville, Tennessee. I actually just moved to Pegram, Tennessee. It's about a half hour west of Nashville. Um, and I've uh, been kayak fishing uh, six years now. Um, all three, you know, circuits, Bassmaster, Hobie, and the KBF tournaments. And he's a uh, he's a humble guy. He's a uh, pretty good. If you haven't heard about him, just go look at <laughs> look at leaderboards and standings Under, over the last few years. Of the year. He's yeah. there. Well, uh, how you want to start, Dan? How you how you want to get into it? Man, you want to talk about you first. You want to talk about Russ first. Or do you want to? No, let's talk, talk fishing about rods. Russ. <laughs> we'll talk about Russ. I do have a bunch of questions about your rods, but uh, but I mean, we'll we'll start with the national championship. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, give us a just a quick uh, recap of what the event was and where it was, and then we'll let Russ go into detail on it. Say what? Me? Should I hear me? Yeah, you. Oh, me. National yeah. Championship, Kentucky Lake, and or feeder creeks connected to it. And Barkley. It had it had a ton of open water. It yeah. did, yeah. Yeah. Um, which some folks were happy about and some folks were not. We're going to talk about that too. Don't you worry. Um, but yeah, so Russ, uh, give us a, a little bit of a rundown of the Kentucky Lake area and then kind of like what you were fishing. If it was just because there's so much open water, like we just said, just kind of not a, not where you were, but just kind of what you were fishing. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just this past weekend with the 19th, 20th, 21st of October. It was uh, Lake Barkley, Kentucky Lake, and um, any of the, the waterways that, that feed in, uh, creeks, rivers, um, all that stuff was in bounds for this one. And uh, it's pretty close to, to where I live, about an hour to two hours, depending on, on where you go. And um, like I said, it is a lot of water. Um, a lot of times they'll make They'll cut off the boundaries kind of halfway into Kentucky Lake, like right at the I-40 bridge or at Lake Barkley. They'll cut it off right at Clarksville. So uh, usually those upper ends of the lakes, you know, where you can eventually get up to the to the next tailwaters of, I guess, on Kentucky Lake, it would be Lake Pickwick, a tailwater of Pickwick. And then Barkley would be tailwater at Cheatham Lake. Uh, so all that was in bounds, which also opened up uh, a lot of tributaries. So, um, you know, with, as you know, a lot of you probably heard, you know, Kentucky Lake and Barkley been in a, in a bit of a recession the last several years, uh, a lot of Asian carp and stuff have moved in and, uh, a lot of the grass has died off and, you know, it's, it's, there's still some good fish, you know, in both lakes, but it's, it's definitely tougher than, you know, it's not the old Kentucky Lake days of, you know, 10 years ago where you can go just about anywhere and, and catch them. Uh, the lake was fishing. It's been fishing tough. And, uh, you know, but a lot of the, the rivers and stuff, you know, feeding in, I, which, you know, that's kind of what I, since I moved out here about 10 years ago, I've spent a lot of time on, on the Duck River, the Buffalo River, and, you know, a lot of the little creeks and rivers that feed into all that is uh, kind of where, I, where, you know, my, my stopping grounds as far as where, uh, when I moved out here, where I started fishing. So, uh, I was excited to see that in bounds, you know, anything that, uh, in KBF, you know, the rules are a little different than, 
than Hobie and in Bassmaster. And in KBF, as long as you can float down from wherever you're putting in to the lake, then it's it's considered in bounds. So uh, I did spend, you know, this year I've been it's I've been pretty busy with the moving to a new place and stuff. And you know, typically I get a couple days uh, to pre-fish, but this tournament I uh, I really, you know, I, I knew that I had a good chance of, of doing well and I uh, blocked off about a week and a half of my schedule and just got all my work done before that and just uh, just wanted to be 100% just, just focused on uh, exploring some some waters that I was already pretty, pretty familiar with, but uh, I think this tournament really uh, made me kind of push myself to, to explore some new areas, you know, that I, that I haven't been to yet. Uh, so that was, that was an exciting thing to do. Uh, Cody, a good buddy of mine, he... Uh, he came out as well about a week, week and a half before, and uh, me and him just, uh, you know, we started doing some river floats and started, we were, um, you know, in the beginning, we were, we were kind of like, you'd hit one area, and then I would hit an area, and I was kind of being a little quiet about it, because I found a couple good spots, and then, you know, then we found ourselves, like, going back to the same, you know, going to the same river he just hit, and then he was... Anyways, we kind of got to a point pretty early on where we realized, all right, if we're both going to be fishing this stuff, we just need to be kind of straight up open and honest with each other. Um, just because if you get too much pressure on those areas, you know, it can it can really uh, make the fishing a lot of t- tougher come tournament time. So, uh, so we kind of mapped everything out. We're like, all right, these are these are the areas that we think are going to be most productive, and. Um, yeah, we just started started hitting all the all the skinnier water um, stuff and found some you know several good good areas and you know come uh, as it got closer to tournament there was quite a bit of you know with well, a secret it wasn't a secret a secret was out and I, I'd say it was probably twenty five percent of the field or so at, at least was fishing uh, you know similar similar areas off the Duck River and stuff like that there was quite a few other people doing it as well so. A quick question for most people that'd be listening to this. They've seen it. Everybody noticed and has heard a little bit of the story about uh, Cody Shiner. Um, yeah. After you saying that y'all were trying to keep something secret, you know, at the beginning, you just you just hit him, didn't you? Y'all got into it and you punched him in the eye, <laughs> didn't you? You just smacked Cody. I told nah. you, man, I found a good area and he said he was going to fish it. I, I just wasn't having that. <laughs> I him in his place. And, so I threw yeah. his ass off a cliff. <laughs> No, he was, we were trying to get under his, his, we're trying to get to this one area to access uh, a river there. And uh, you had to kind of duck underneath this bridge and there was a a pretty narrow, narrow area to walk, maybe three feet or so. And from that, it dropped off about 15 feet straight down. And then there was just a bunch of rocks and stuff, you know, kind of dropping down at a 45 after that initial 15 foot fall. And, you know, he's wearing his flip flops and he slipped and went straight down and just tumbled. You know, that was it was really scary. I'm, I'm glad he's all right. He got banged up pretty good, he bruised up and cut up his arm, his hip, his side, his head. You know, he was but luckily, you know, didn't get any concussions and he's yeah, seems to be doing wow. a lot better now. So it didn't take you know a couple of days and he was he's right back at it. It's always something with Cody. Hey, that's a that's committed, you know. Anybody thinks yeah. getting to your fishing spot's hard? Have you fell off a cliff to get to your spot? He found a quick access straight to the water. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it was it was a little bit of a grueling week. We we're camping the whole time, you know, ten days or so. We uh, just had a little campsite, and it was getting cold at night. Down to I think during it was pretty nice actually. The whole week leading up to it, you know, the leaves were beautiful, and it was 
just a uh, you know really really pleasant fall out here but during the tournament was the one big cold front that we had and it, it dropped down to you know mid to upper 20s uh for a few of those nights y'all hammock camping uh we did hammock camp once we did a 25 mile float on a river a lot of these areas wow. like we wanted we needed to make sure if we put in somewhere that we could float, you know, all the way down. We didn't, that drew the thing that happened with drew happened literally as we were out there pre-fishing. As soon as that happened, we're like, we really got to all the rules. <laughs> cover, cover yeah. <laughs> we're fishing some of these areas way up river. We got to make sure that it, that it flows, you know, all the way to the lake. Cause if there was somewhere where, you know, there was, um, you know, some rocks or, or a shoal that was too shallow that we couldn't float over, then everything upstream of that would have been uh, would have been off limits. But in this tournament, you can drag around uh, any kind of temporary obstructions such as laydowns or logs or, or stuff like that, as long as you don't get onto private property. So a few times we had to, you know, we had to do that. But otherwise, yeah, we were able to, we did one 25-mile float and camped out in our hammocks. And um, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Sweet, man. Living the life. Yeah. So a uh, little back back up on the tournament. So it was the KBFNC uh, is a like multi-tier event. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but basically there's multiple events going on at once. You have the Trail Series Championship, the overall national championship, and the Challenge Series Championship, as well as they award, uh, what is it, Rookie of the Year, Angler of the Year. I think there's a Challenge Series Angler of the Year. So there's a lot going on. A lot of team cup. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah the team cup yeah, i forgot about that on dakota lithium stormy uh put on a, a team for dakota lithium it was me cody eric siddiqui and garrett wade and uh we ended up taking that as well and so there's three tournaments in one you know some people are fishing all three some people just fishing one some people two i said the national championship was pretty much open to, to anybody who wanted to fish it, as long as they fish a kbf event uh, the challenge series is where they have the monthly tournaments per for each state. It's your five biggest fish over the course of a month and each state has it. So if you do, you know, well enough in one of those monthly challenges, you can qualify for that. And then a trail series is just the national level tournaments that they uh, put on all over, all over the country. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, it was, it was a lot. There was a ton of people, 249 anglers, according to, uh fishing chaos could not think of what this is called um so you were entered in i guess it would technically be four events i get with the team cup yeah yeah four events so off the top of your head and if you don't know it's fine what what's like that uh all the buy in for all that do you know what your total like entry fee was i think it was six i got and there's also like bonus bucks and stuff like that too which is just like a side pot type of thing I think I want to say six fifteen, but I don't know if that includes the um, I don't know if that includes the team cup at all. Yeah, so that's not terrible. I I, I thought it was going to be like close to a thousand dollars. Still no. a, lot, a lot of I mean, money, still, in, a lot of money in a week and a half of your time. I mean, that's that's a massive investment. You're getting in all of it. Yeah, it's it's well change for sure. As we'll get to here in a minute, it pays off sometimes. So, <laughs> but uh. So I don't even know how to really approach this other than you just, so it's a, it's a three day tournament. The first two days is uh, pretty normal for a two day fishing tournament and the top 100 advance to the day three. Um, and then the, 
is it the trail series and the challenge series are two day only? Yeah. After two days, those end that's over with. And then moving on to the third day for the national championship, they just take the top hundred out of the 250 that were entered. Yeah. So I guess, uh, tell us about the first two days of fishing and how that went. And, uh, you know, just like kind of what you experienced and just however you want to break it down. Sure. Um, first day I was fishing, uh, it was a tributary off the duck river and, uh, we pre Cody and I pre-fished it. We did about a 15 mile float and the water there was, was really clear. And, you know, we, we could, in most areas, we could see a lot of the fish and, uh, we didn't even spend that much time pre-fishing, you know, actually casting or anything. I would just, you know, cause it was a 15 mile float in one day. So there's not really much time to do it anyways. So, uh, I just go along and just mark, you know, everywhere where I saw the good fish and, uh, first day of the tournament, I went up there and threw, uh, through a big swim bait, uh, a mega bass mag draft, uh, threw it all day. Um, I made maybe a handful of, of casts with other lures, but every fish that I got was on the mag draft probably had uh, over 20 bites, probably 25 bites or so. Some of them would miss it. So I probably caught 12 fish and, um, my biggest five, you know, it was 97 inches with a 22 and a half inch uh, kicker largemouth. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. So I was, I was, I wasn't expecting that. I, I saw some good fish in that, in that river there, and I knew, knew it had potential. I was, I was going to be happy with 90 inches, but. Um, Everything kind of just, you know, stars aligned. It went well. And a lot of those fish were, were hanging out in the same areas where I marked them. So I was able to just kind of skip those dead dead stretches, you know. And I, was, I had to be pretty disciplined about that. Sometimes it just takes a little while to get from spot to spot there. And um, But, yeah, just kind of through, through that swim bait where I was seeing the bigger fish and um, had five good ones, had a 10-inch lead over Cody. Cody was in second place the first day. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that so were y'all, did y'all, y'all pre-fished a lot together, but did y'all yeah. sep, like spread out and separate? Yeah, we didn't even fish the same, we didn't even fish the same water. We, we kind of just divvied it up and said, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to, a lot of it also depended kind of on the kayak that we were using too. Um, right. you know, Cody had his, he had a Hobie, uh, with a motor, but it was, you know, really bigger, heavier boat. And then he also had, I think, his new canoe, uh, a paddle kayak. And actually, for the first spot, he I think he borrowed Drew's ultralight. <laughs> that, was, that was his first time in that. It was a little difficult just to access the, the areas. Was, uh, he had to walk down a pretty steep hill, and it was a little ways. So 
he's like, I'm just going to bring the ultralight. And, um, so he had, he had fun with that. He's a pretty big guy to be in a little tiny kayak like that. Yeah. I was about to say, Cody's a pretty tall individual to be in that little <laughs> yeah. bitty thing. He felt a little cramped in there, I think, but, um, but yeah, he had, he had a good day. And, um, that night, uh, Jeff Little, so, uh, Jeff Little from Torquedo, he, uh, came out, I think the Monday, a few couple days before the tournament started, one of our pre-fish days on Monday, uh, he came out with Cody and I, uh, and, uh, did some filming and we, we actually filmed in the area where I fished day two and day three. Um, so we had, we had a great time, you know, filming and, and just, uh, yeah, I was kind of cluing him in on some of the some of the techniques that I was using, and we were trying not to set the hook on too many fish. But um, but yeah, so you can check out his. He has a, a YouTube. Uh, he's got a YouTube video up. His YouTube channel is called the the Little Stuff. So you can see the video from Cody and I pre fishing with him a couple days before the tournament, and then on day two of the tournament, um, Jeff came back out with me and uh, and filmed me as well. Like I said, in the same same area where. Uh, where I pre-fished uh, when he shot the video as well. And if you what? haven't, for anybody listening, if you haven't checked out Jeff's YouTube channel, oh, it's yeah. actually it's really, really good. Yeah, it's one of the best. Very informative. He's a really good storyteller and just the way he explains things. And very, you know, great editor and great, yeah, just great at creating all kinds of content. So, what What do you think it was going to take before the tournament to win? I thought it was going to take 90 a day is what yeah. I was guessing. So um, you were you, you were ahead? Feeling good. I had, or I had 97, 93, and then 92. Wow. So second, yeah, second day, it was a little bit different. Jeff was filming me, and the first hour and a half, you know, uh, we were fishing pretty much the, the, the best area that I found uh, when we were pre-fishing out there, and went an hour and a half without a bite, and um, just kind of instinctively, I guess, I, I just said, all right, well, let's just move down river uh, a little farther. So what we did actually, because because of the torpedo, you know, my, my game plan was to motor down uh, and then work my way back up with the motor. Uh, just the, the way I was fishing, whether it was throwing the swim baits or the way I caught them day two, a lot of them were, was just flipping a jig and areas with current, like behind the laydowns and little pockets and stuff like that, where, you know, where you can flip in, have your jig fall down to the bottom without getting swept away to the current. So a lot of the big root balls and stuff like that on the laydowns. I was really focusing on a lot of that, but the only way you could fish it was going, going up river. If you're trying to just do a float and float down and cast into it, you'd, you'd get swept away and you just wouldn't be able to really fish it efficiently and, and get the right angles. So uh, like, so we motored down that, that second day about four miles, didn't get anything. And so, but I wanted to hit that area again. So I didn't want to start working my way back up already and then work down. So I was like, well, let's just go down, you know, another mile or two and then work our way back up. And, uh, and it seems like a lot of the fish moved, moved down there, which was kind of surprising. We had a little bit of rain uh, a day or two before the tournament. So I felt like the, the water level came up just a couple, you know, maybe two, three inches or so. But I think it was just enough to get a lot of those gizzard shad and a lot of the, the bass too seem to get down those shoals into the next hole. Um, because, um, yeah, I noticed it was a little deeper too, just cause when I was running my torpedo up river before I, I'd on the really shallow shoals, I'd have to get out cause my motor would start hitting. So I'd just drag up, uh, up the shoals a little bit, but during the tournament, I think I only had to drag up once, you know, most of the times I could just motor right up it. But, um, yeah, most of the fish came on the jig, 
I uh, got a couple on the swim bait. I don't think they helped me, but uh, I had 93 inches that day and anchored by a 22-inch smallmouth. Yeah. So wow. we got all that, that on nice. Flipped into a piece of wood, and, uh, yeah, it got hung up in the wood, and I thought for sure it was going to break me off. And I could I could see how big it was and went down in there and was able to grab them. And, uh, I was, one of, I think, tied with the biggest smallmouth I've ever put on a board at least. Um, what so. – what? What what kind of jig were you throwing? Like a actual flipping jig or a pitching jig or? It was a. Um, Great one you make, huh? It's one I make, yeah. Okay. So it's just it's actually just a little. It has a little punch. It's a punch skirt, so it's a little half ounce tungsten pegged uh, with a punch skirt, flipping hook, and I was using a a Zoom Super Hog, which I don't really throw a whole heck of a lot, but I start kind of like being liking them more and more. It's similar to like a beaver style bait, but it's just got that the right size. That's kind of in between a smallie beaver and like a full size sweet beaver. So I felt like that. Um, Did you just not want all the action? You want to have a lot of action, just kind of too little yeah. flat doesn't kick a lot. It's more. And with that colder weather, I think that was, uh, was an important part to slow to down a little less action on it. So to, to help Dan get into the, the rod talk, I want to know like your your rod setup you were throwing the mag draft on because I'm always curious about that because I've tried throwing it like on my, my actual swim bait rod and it doesn't it doesn't weigh enough in my opinion. It doesn't feel right. But then I've thrown it on some of my heavy gear and it feels like it's too much for it. So I want to know like your, your setup for that and your jig setup. Okay. Well, usually most times I throw – uh, the mag draft just on their, uh, the IROD Gen 3 um, Junior Swim Rod, which is a 7'8". And uh, this tournament, I mean, this tournament actually threw it on a different rod, one that you can't get, actually. It was one of the, the prototypes for, uh, so I have a signature series rod, the Snyder Sniper, which is a 7'5". And one of the, the first one in those prototypes was like a little stiffer than, than the Snyder Sniper. So it was actually a 7'5". A little bit heavy, like I wouldn't say heavy action between medium heavy and heavy. Uh, and that, that was actually, I was liking that a lot for the mag draft just because I was making shorter casts. And anytime I'm in a river or have a lot of wood or lay downs and stuff like that, I'm not making as long a cast, I like a little bit shorter rod. Uh, but I could have got, I mean, that, that swim bait or the junior swim would have worked well uh, for it still. It's just, I, I use that one also because I was fishing a lot of these, uh, the rivers and stuff, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, overhanging trees and, uh, and, and stuff like that. So only, I kind of limited myself to four rods. Typically I'll have like seven or eight rods, but in this case I only had four. So I wanted to make sure the four that I brought, they were a little more multi-purpose. Yeah. Throw a number of different things on it. Um, so that's, that's also why I kind of use that seven foot five. Cause if I, you know, wanted to, to flip with that rod either throw a chatterbait or throw some of the, you know, a little bit smaller things. I could do that as well, get away with it. But uh, I was throwing it with 20 pound um, Seaguar and Vizex uh, on like a six to three uh, quantum smoke HD reel. So in the, throwing the mag draft in the, in the, you know, the, the, the creeks and backwaters, or is it, you're throwing it at like aggressive fish or are you moving it really quick to get them aggressive or are you just kind of slower rolling it around them? So, yeah, so I'm throwing the, they make a couple different mag drafts. Uh, I'm throwing the, the freestyle, which one yeah. of them has a treble hook on it and the freestyle, you have to use your own hook. 
Yeah, um, that's the one. Couple like days that. I was throwing a uh, six aught quarter ounce owner beast hook, and uh, obviously worked worked great the first day. But there was a lot of times, like especially when there's a little more current, when I felt like I just had to reel it a little too fast. Like I had to reel it pretty fast to get that tail kicking right. And because of that, and it was only the, the quarter ounce, it, was, it would kind of come up in the water column a little too high. It wasn't until the third day, actually. Uh, I guess after the second day, I kind of thought about it. I'm like, I'm going to try just a little bit heavier, um, you know, hook. So I went to a eight-aught, three-eighths three ounce owner beast hook. And uh, I, th- I think that was definitely a little better way to go. I can fish it. Uh, a little bit deeper in the current, you know, when I was reeling, it was coming through the water column and at the right level, it wasn't, it wasn't riding too high. So uh, on that third day, I caught the majority of my fish on that, on that mag draft again, fishing the same area that I, that I fished the second day. Uh, and I did catch a few flipping, but uh, for some reason that, that mag draft, I also switched colors. I was throwing a, a white back shad, which was, I feel like was working good in the mornings. Uh, and then even on the first day that it kind of, you know, I got most of the fish in the morning. I started missing a lot more. Um, and I think the, there's, they make one called a, a brownie, which is just kind of a, a bronze top, I guess, with more of a transparent silver side. Yeah. And, um, and I made that change on the third day as well, uh, kind of mid morning. And that, that instantly I, I saw a change in how many bites I was getting once I made that change as well. Do you ever use the, like a flashy swimmer with it or just? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like underspin stuff. Maybe the water was a little dirtier and it could have worked. I mean, I don't know. I was thinking I didn't, didn't try it pre-fishing, but I've, I've done it before. So uh, that that's whenever you go to it, and whenever it's yeah, that one was the uh, BMC makes like a seven aught, I think three eighths ounce, uh, make a six and a seven aught BMC. Uh, I've used that with that mag draft as well. I've got a whole list of things to try now because I've the setups I've got right now are seven aught with a I can't remember the brand, but they're I think they're three eighths with a blade on them. And yeah, I always feel like if I'm in clear water, I through it three times i'm like no this is this doesn't look right so, yeah you should see that more for a little stained water do more vibration a little flash if they need it there you go oh uh, yeah yeah and, uh, do they do they hold up like i i don't have a lot of bites do. on yeah, them. they hold up and, no i didn't not that one it's the one next to it the white back shad on the right down yeah oh okay that right there is what I caught all of them on the first day and then in the morning on the third day that's what i was throwing and then I, I made that switch to the to the, to brown. the brownie. The yeah. white pack was just once the sun got up high and that water cleared. Water cleared quite a bit actually, just from my time pre-fishing to the tournament. The water temp dropped about ten degrees, and I think it killed some of the the plankton and the algae in the water because it went from about two foot visibility to like three or four foot visibility. Uh, this area I was fishing, you know, day two and day three. Why, why, why this, like, why are, I throw the five inch a lot for me, you know. The five inch mag draft? Yeah, well, the spark shad. Oh, okay, spark shad, yeah. Why, why is, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit more intimidated by the six inch. Maybe it just seems a little bit too big for me. I I don't know. I don't know. You're throwing it and it's, you'll be surprised. I caught a lot of fish that are like 13, you know, 12, 13 inches on it. 
it, it's wow. surprising even smallmouth. I don't know how the heck they get it in their mouth, but um, do, do, do you ever do any kind of trailer hook or anything like you know with the braid to a? I have it's been a while. With some similar ones, not on that, not on the mag draft, but on like Ospreys or Huddlestons and stuff like that back in the day. I, I used to yeah. try to hooks on those. Why? Why the mag draft? Why is it? I, I guess I. Best I've, thrown, I've thrown a few different ones. Why is that one so good? The gizzard shad. It all comes down to. to I think that one does the best job of mimicking the gizzard shad, and um, I said we spent a lot of. A lot of time fishing a lot of creeks and rivers over those two weeks. And 90% of the time when we caught big fish, we'd see gizzard shad around. Hmm. And it was almost almost every time we saw gizzard shad, like we'd, we'd get a couple good ones. So, That's awesome. And wow. a lot of those fish, you know, this time of year in those areas, a lot of those fish um, typically weren't, it's it's pretty unseasonable to get, to get them, especially some of the smaller, you know, creeks and stuff off of the, off of the duck. Uh, usually the duck river this time of year like starts going off it's because those fish you know that are that are living in the duck they'll come early spring or mid spring they'll work them you know they'll work their way up these smaller feeder you know creeks and stuff to spawn and they'll spend most of the summer there but you know starting towards late summer august september uh, they eventually start working their way you know back into the duck and they'll winter there i mean duck river in the winter is like really 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 good um but in the summertime you can't hardly catch anything so this year was kind of it was interesting because it was in 10 years i've lived here uh this is probably the least amount of rain that that we've gotten in you know a whole year it's been really dry and the whole month and a half leading up to the tournament i don't think there was a big enough rain to to get those fish to come down a lot of them were just trapped up in there yeah um, so we had a couple little rains where the water would come up just a few inches, but uh, typically a lot of those, those smaller uh, rivers and stuff, a lot of those fish would would be out of there by now. So it's, it's you know kind of untypical to get them this time of year in those spots. It's, that's something that's always kind of like blowing my mind fishing smaller waters is like you'll get so far up a creek and you when you start catching them you're like these are probably resident fish but then you'll go back in the winter and they're not there and then like you start putting it together like you go hit a stretch of it closer to the main lake or that's got like more deeper water and you'll you'll find them again and like it'll blow your mind how far they'll move yeah it's wild yeah so even during the tournament i'm convinced that those fish in two days moved at least a mile or two the whole concentration that's pretty typical in a lot of these rivers too where where um you know you'll fish 10 miles of river and there'll be like one mile stretch or one, you know, section where it's several holes maybe, but like a one mile stretch where all the fish seem to be concentrated. But the thing is, yeah, you can go back there the next day and that whole concentration fish can move either up river or down river as long as they have enough water to do so. Uh, and it, it really opened my eyes. A lot of times when I fish these rivers, I won't fish like consecutive days, you know, I'll go there, fish a stretch and the next day go somewhere else. But uh, I learned a lot just by hitting a lot of these areas, you know, in, in a two week span, several times, uh, and just seeing how much they move. It really, really surprised me. Yeah. Did, uh, I mean, you're for, originally from California and now you're fishing creeks. Is there like, what kind of fisherman do you think you are now? He's humble. I'm going to say he's fucking good one. <laughs> California. 
uh, a couple of my favorite, I'm not going to say the name of it. Not that many people know about them, but they, they flow into the California Delta, but they're pretty similar, you know, rivers to, to, you know, what I'm, what I've been fishing out, out here off the duck and stuff. Um, really similar. So uh, a lot of it kind of translated over, you know, like old float tube type stuff. I used to, yeah, I used to use kick boats, uh, or pontoon boats, whatever you want to call them. There's two, you know, pontoons or, or air bladders and you have a little chair in the middle and you're, it's not like a float tube where you, you know, you're submerged in the water. So I'm, I'm sitting out of the water, but just from my shins down, you know, or in the water and you have a couple flippers and you could put, uh, oars on them too. But, um, but they're great for, for the, you know, smaller rivers or, or larger creeks and, really good for just boat positioning you can sit right there in the seams of the current and just you know with one kick of your fin you could spin around 180 degrees and it's all completely hands-free so it's uh they're they're a lot of fun you know the only difficult thing is is like if you get snagged or something like that like trying to get back up river it's definitely easier to to paddle up river in the than the kick uh with those fins but there's a lot of advantages to to using those little kick boats especially if you know if you're fishing some faster water it's only a foot or two deep or something like that uh you can just stand up and the little there's little bars that you put your feet on but they'll hook onto your legs and you can just stand there and start casting you know in the shoals and just sit right back down and you're floating so at any point gotta try this your system just by standing up so it's i don't need no power pole (laughs) yeah I'm, I'm sure someone somewhere strapped a freaking torpedo to one. <laughs> yeah, there's some redneck somewhere with an 1103 got that bad boy on plane. Got, you know, I've got one of them. I got a couple of big. I got four of those things, and a couple of them have little. They came with uh, just little Minn Kota trolling motors. You know, just like tiller trolling motors. So I probably could. I probably could put a torpedo. Well, Jeff Little, if you happen to hear this, I've got your next <laughs> video, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, you'll have to get with wilderness, do some kind of like hybrid, you know, kayak. Yeah, I I would love that. I mean, they make a couple like the catamaran style kayaks and stuff, which I guess can be kind of similar. Russ is going to have his own signature series kick boat and get it like KBF legal and then go out there and kick everybody's (laughs) butt in it. I was thinking about, I was talking to Cody, a couple of those creeks, it was, it was, uh, I was like, man, I really wish I had my kick boat. And he's like, I think they're legal. I think you could use them. And I'm Honestly, he got me thinking about it. I'm like, you want to use a kickboat for this? Like that that would be like, you know, hashtag legend status. <laughs> if you I would just the kayak out. game would be over. Like <laughs> Russ wins. Like <laughs> done. Wow. Uh, well, but before we moved on, Dan, did you have any more uh, like irod questions that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I you? have a I have a bunch here. Just because yeah. I, I I, I know a shop not too far from me sells iRod, so I was going to ask some questions. Like, can can you just kind of explain the different series and why you choose? Because oh, I'll kind of go well here. I'll just do this. I'll just share my screen. Okay. Make it easy for the, you know, so you can sit here and talk through it. I know some people can't see it, but um, so you got the the. Quercus, we were just we were talking about before a deal, yeah. and that's like we'll start at the bottom. So the, the I guess okay. the lowest price point is the the fiber series, kind of like an entry level rod, but still it's a hundred and ten dollars, but a great great rod. Uh, I like how actually how it has a little bigger guides, and those are the rods I use for for my guide trips and stuff like that. I got you know just a bunch of seven foot medium heavy casting rods and seven foot medium spinning rods. Uh, just, you know, good, solid, all-purpose rods. And, uh, you know, if they break or something, it's not 
you know, it's not, it's, that's why I use them for my, my guide trips and going to the creeks and rivers and stuff like that. A lot of times you don't want to bring like your $300 rods, you know, when you're doing river floats. Um, Definitely but, not. And uh, I guess step up from that is the, uh, the Gen 3, I rod Genesis 3. Uh, what, what's the difference between two, Gen 2 and 3? Uh, there are a little bit, the blanks are a little different. Uh, they have better guides on the Gen 3 and they use a different material for the blanks and the guides, I think are the two biggest things. And they got the, the little hook keeper right above the real seat. Um, it's a better hook keeper. So, um, other than that, not so much difference. You know, the lengths and the actions are, are all the same. They got the same real seat. Uh, it's a hundred hundred and fifty dollars. They have a lot of rods in that. You know, the, the, my signature series rod, the uh, Snyder Sniper, uh, is in that series. It's a seven foot five, medium heavy, and uh, yeah, Jeez, there is a lot of them there's there. a lot. Good Lord, <laughs> the one thing about iRod is they I'm, there it is. Hey, there it is. Yeah, they um they have more. I mean, Paul Bailey. And well, Matt it's so Smith. good. It's sold out, man. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Russ just got excited, like hell yeah! <laughs> Money. Where's my cut, uh, bitches? Huh? Yeah, where where's yeah. my cut? Yeah, is this a warehouse? Yeah, right, well, I was just gonna make a post to tell people to go go to Tackle Warehouse to get them, but now they're out, they're man. Out, so let's see. They're out. So Maybe what are like with, with this one? Are they micro guides? Yeah, so they have micro guides on those uh, on the iRod Gen threes. Like I said, similar to the the Gen two, they just came out. They made a few little tweaks on the Gen threes. Those just came out in a year ago, I'd say. A um, lot of options, spinning and casting rods. Yeah, um, that's the majority of the rods that I have of iRod. That's what they are. Uh, so that's that's like the staple. That's the staple, yeah, yeah. It's a hundred, and I think in most, I mean, that's about the, you know, the the price point of a lot of popular rods. I'd say for the average, oh, definitely average bass, yeah. fisherman, you know, average tournament fisherman, I guess. Oh, yeah, like, I, that, I would that, say that, that one twenty to two hundred is that really good? Like worth your there's money? A, you know, there's a big difference. I feel like there's a big difference between like a seventy five dollar rod and a hundred and fifty dollar rod. Yeah. It's like a, there's a big difference, but there's probably a smaller difference between a hundred and fifty dollar rod and a two hundred and fifty dollar rod. It's yeah. it's pretty minimal. There's a way bigger difference from the seventy five to one hundred and fifty than there would be if you were to do one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty. Yeah, to, to to me, really, once you get to one hundred and fifty, you get more durable and like an actual like really you know a good rod. Yeah. Keep, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, the the biggest for me that. I noticed that really would matter for most people going over that 150 and up is a lot of them. They just keep getting lighter. Mm -hmm. And for some people that means a lot. For, I like a little bit of weight in my hands. I mean, I've, you know, I'm, I've, I use Dobbins and what are you playing here, Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've used some of the, the really, really high end Dobbins and like great rods and, super super lightweight and you know really sensitive but i just like to have that little bit of extra weight in the hand i don't know balance. that's all you know that's yeah. the most important thing yeah. is just having that real seat in the right spot i feel like makes, makes a big difference uh the crusher looks good yeah the crusher is a really great rod it's been out for a while 
Um, it has a little bit bigger guides and Different real seat, huh? the real seat, it's a nice real seat. It, it comes, you know, comes down the, the trigger on it is a little bit larger. The, the gen three has a really small trigger on the real seat. Uh, but those crusher series are, are great. I got a few of those, uh, Ron champions rod, the, um, what's it called? Croker crusher. Uh, that's uh, Ron Champion Signature Series Rod. Uh, that's a great one. It's pretty versatile too, not just for throwing frogs. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Crushers are great. Um, and then another uh, another rod that just came out is the Quercus, which is the, the only I Rod series that uh, has cork handles. And I only got one of them. I got the seven foot three, but I, I really, really like all the components and just the design, the real seat, the um, it's probably my favorite. I'd say that's my my favorite out of all of them. Mostly just because of the little bit bigger guides, which I like. I'm not a huge fan of micro guides. It's casting like braid to floral leaders through them kind of be a pain. There's and, a junior heavy heavy junior swim. Get you if you're looking for a. I didn't realize they made it in that cork. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, and these are a really good price point too. They are, yeah, and it's they're really good quality, really really good guides. I mean, it's they're, they're great rods. Oh, uh, dang it, two hundred to me is usually like the deal because it's like that. Those are you know some I have some less expensive ones for rods that you don't need, you know that super high end like a top water, you know, but the the rods that you don't need to spend all the money. But for me, two hundred yeah, yeah. like. Spinning rods. Is, I mean, if there's one rod to spend a lot of money on, it would be like a finesse, like spinning rod. Anything you're going to like work in plastics or you need something drag. really light and really sensitive. That's where it doesn't hurt spending some extra money on it, I would say. What's um, your uh, what's your go-to hour rod in the spinning? Like what what's, uh, uh, series? The the Air Series. So the Air Series is their, their high-end um, their high-end rod. It's $250. And I got a couple of the... Um, yeah, the Air Series was it the seven seven one? Yeah, which what are the three? Seven two, yeah, that seven two medium uh, is a really good one, and I have the the six ten as well. I don't have the seven foot three medium light though. I have that in the uh, the Gen three. So. Rust don't need. Yeah, you, you don't need meds. I don't throw a lot. I, you know, I don't throw a lot of spin rod. I throw a, I throw senkos a lot. I'm throwing a spin rod. It's probably a senko. Yeah, or for me, it's a Cinco and a drop shot. Like Nico that's my Nico rig sometimes. Yeah. No shaking. Yeah, little swim baits, actually. That's what I throw. Uh, yeah, little spark shads, yeah. stuff like that, or, or little tiny Kitex. Something I could, yeah, move a little faster. Well, that's really cool. Go. I'm gonna have to do some more looking into these. I didn't realize there was. As many options. A lot of options. Like, so you have Paul Bailey and Matt Newman. Those are the two main guys that um, are running the company there. And they, they've always been, they're like swim bait gurus out west. So I'd say iRod makes more swim bait rods. There's more swim bait you know, rods in their lineup than any other rod company. I, I'm pretty dang sure. I make saltwater. Yeah, those are some of the saltwater rods. Um, yeah, for redfish and inshore, they make like an inshore. They make saltwater rods for even you know doing tuna fish and stuff like that too. Jeez, uh, down in San Diego, a lot of their their saltwater rods that come on a series are whales vagina. Uh, really popular. <laughs> Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. 
Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, that's awesome. Like calico bass and stuff like that. Throwing swim baits for those calico bass out in the kelp beds. I made some rods just like specifically designed for that as well. Well, folks, you've got the definite like rundown here. I'd definitely say go check them out if you're in the market for something new. And especially like you don't see these as much. Um, like the only time I'd ever seen them was back when Hook One had them. You know, uh, that was the only person that I had. West, I mean, the West Coast, they're, they're definitely one of the most popular rods out there. And yeah. they, a lot of here, and stuff. Are, here in Alabama, they sell, them at, they sell them at Bucks Island in Gadsden. Do they? Cool. Yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. go check them out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can uh, talk our guys in the shop to throw us a I-Rod rack up at the store. That'd be sad. Music City? Yeah. Really? That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm working on them on that. We're, we're going to carry yeah. some local company baits. And, That'd be great. You know, not a full tackle store, but. Yeah, it's been, you know, I got, uh, you know, obviously, but I um, took my new Wilderness Systems Recon and took it into the Music City Outdoors and uh, just signed on with them. It's couple of weeks ago right before a national championship so um perfect yeah, timing. I recon Go down Jimmy. there spent a lot of time <laughs> tricking it all out and got the live scope and the two graphs and you know, he does i did i've never seen a wilderness as like stacked up as the I'm, one that's sitting in our showroom floor right now like that is, bad boy is that's, rigged that's out cool. yeah i've got every little you know gadget and gizmo and you know, all the bells and whistles on, on that thing. So one of our guys was up there and saw it and he was like, I don't even know. Like, I didn't know Russ even uses this stuff. He's like, I always hear about him in the creeks. And he's like, this thing's well, got that, two graphs. I use, and I, use, I use the attack and <laughs> the, the skinnier backwaters. And I mean, it took me like, it took me like eight, nine months. I'm not even kidding to, to rig that thing up. I just, if I, you know, I wanted to have a boat that I can use a live scope and use offshore and fishing deeper water. But uh, I told myself I was going to do it. Like I'm going to do it right. I'm going to have it, you know, everything just like really dialed in. I don't want to half-ass anything. And uh, it took me, it was a long process of just like every little step of the way to do some modifications and some fabricating. And, um, you know, I needed to get that torpedo throttle like mounted right next to my hip. So I can always use my elbow to kind of push that throttle forward and reverse. And there wasn't a gear track there. So I had to figure out how to put a gear track there and, had to figure out how to, you know, how to. Lift it's them. funny you mentioned the the elbow thing. Uh, so Jeff came up and rigged up foot steering on my boat uh-huh. uh, this week, and he came out there and grabbed me. I was like, "Look, let's talk about throttle placement." And then he's like, "Look, I know Russ does this thing with his elbow. He's like, I don't understand that, and I don't know how he does it, 
but I'm going to say you should not try that. And I was like, no, I'm not that coordinated. I'd have me in reverse so fast it's going easy. the wrong way. No. I'm <laughs> telling you, jump in my kayak and check it out. It's that's the way to go. <laughs> which yeah. uh, which live scope did you go with? Garmin. Oh, the Garmin, um, yeah. the nine inch Garmin. I didn't get the new fan. I bought it on sale right before the the new fancy transducer or whatever came out. Yeah, that's how us poor that's people get live scope. Yeah. We just we just get excited for the new version to come out so we can afford the 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 end of the year sales at Cabela's. Right. <laughs> I'm waiting on it to hit right now. <laughs> I use it up. I use it a few times. We went up to a Hobie tournament, the Wolf and the Fox River. Um, after that tournament, a group of us went up and fished some of these lakes up in northern Wisconsin. They were full of giant smallmouth, and um, and yeah, you could just look at that live scope and. And just see, you'd see little pods of fish. You just cast right on top of them with that little jig, fall down twenty feet, and almost every time they they get it. But uh, it's yeah, I'm still learning. You know, a lot of the lakes around here and Tennessee uh, River and a lot of the lakes. The problem is there's so many different kinds of fish, whether it's white bass and uh, you know gar and drum, and it's hard to know exactly what you're what you're looking at a lot of times. Where yeah, Some other clear, clear lakes like those lakes up in Wisconsin. It's like if you saw a fish, ninety percent of the time it was it was a bass. So um, I'd probably be the guy out there fishing like schools of catfish or something stupid just because I didn't <laughs> know better. I, I want I want live scope, but I mean I'm just now starting to really learn my graph like old school stuff, and yeah. I don't know if it's a good idea for me to add something be a to distraction it. it'll kind of change the way you fish you got to be disciplined about when not to use it i feel like that's for sure that's yeah. one thing I've, I've learned from the little little bit i have used it so. yeah I, i've said before i really want 360 like i just the the way i look at it like whenever i see pictures of it like it, it just makes sense in my brain i get that that's totally different than live scope but i think I that's what adam has cool. Uh, it, that'd be a big upgrade to me. I don't know. Riser? Doesn't he have no, 360? He's not 360. Yeah. Oh, well. He's, never got, mind. he's just really good with Humminbird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he does something where it reads. I forget what it's called. Where you can like read it out in front of you. Kind of, yeah. I've heard him talk about it, and people say it's an old school trick that you could do with the Humminbirds or something like yeah, that that not yeah. a lot of people used. Yeah, that's what, that's what I heard too. But... Uh, He's good with his, yeah, yeah, his crafts for sure. Really we we've talked about it on here, and Russ, I think you know uh, Trey Johnson. Yeah, uh, Trey Trey talked about him them going fishing in his bass boat one day, and he said he looked back, Adam's back there punching up stuff on his graph, and he's like, it's never been as clear as it was. I never touched it; like it yeah. just worked after that. But that's a big part of it. It's just yeah, understanding. That's why I got rid of the hummingbird, man. It was just too much. Like I could not dial it in garmin and me work very well together so i'm just gonna right. stick with garmin I, I'll, I'll bet adam's looking forward to that uh dale hollow event oh yeah yep. we just yeah. talked about it yeah that Later somebody day. asked me today if i was gonna jump in on it and i was like is adam fishing and they were like yeah i was like nope <laughs> i'm not, not donating <laughs> that again. is a little honey hole man that place and winter time he's tough to beat yeah he is well, uh, so you you had a two killer first days. You you took home the Trail Series and the Challenge Series Championship with a total of 109, 190 inches over the two days with some you know really really good fish, including that twenty two inch smallmouth. So uh, off the top of your head, do you know like what that netted you money wise? I mean those so you there was holdbacks that they had done throughout the year to really like boost the pots up, and uh, 
it's somewhere a little over 50,000. So Jesus. By far my biggest payday. Yeah. And that's for the mm-hmm. whole three days, right? That's for everything. Yeah. Everything. The team cup. The, I think I got either first or second or second and third big fish. They paid out three big fish. So I don't know. I don't know. I know I got two. Jesus. Of so All right. Taking the rest of the I, year I, off, guys. I, I, well, I, I know a lot of that, you know, because this is what you do for a living. So you have to, you know, watch your money and all that. But is there like one big splurge you, you really want? Across. I just moved into this house here in Pegram last December. Uh, and I don't have a garage. I've had a garage. Any place I've ever lived, I've always had a garage. And all I have is a couple um, like moving boxes, I guess, like boxes off of like a, like a moving truck type of thing. And they kind of leak a little bit. So <laughs> I got all my stuff just piled in there. And usually I'm, I'm just really organized and, and just a little OCD when it comes to all that. But this, this year has been a bit of a challenge because I just don't have a workspace. I don't everything's just still boxed up um, and uh, and in those little storage containers. So I'm going to, uh, I guess once it gets warm enough, I was hoping to, yeah, I'd love to do it now, but I think I got to wait you know, until springtime to, to pour a slab and get like a little workshop built. So that's the goal. I have a place to, yeah, put all my fishing stuff, my kayaks and all my gear work on my truck and six uh, million different trophies, yeah, man. a bunch of big checks. I like it. Well, uh, so just no, no, uh, no surprise. You, you did win, uh, the day three, two with the overall. Um, and it was, I mean, you had, you stayed out in front pretty much. I mean, Eric Jackson had a really good tournament too. Uh, Cody was in third overall, Robert Weicker, Drew Gregory. I mean, all really good names, but you know, you just were really dialed in on that. So, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on about it was, and you had mentioned it because of the stuff we've had with that happened with Drew and, you know, all the fuss that that's drawn up. What is your take on it's two, two questions. Like what's your take on the like pre-fishing periods? Do you obviously for this one, you pre-fished as much as you could because it's within the rule set. I would do the same thing. You know, most people would. Do you think that it should change to there's off limit times to like narrow it up or do you like having Uh, your bodies of water with them having a, yeah, set, you know, you only have five, three, four, five days, whatever to pre-fish and there's an off limits period of a month. And I can see how a lot of people would, would, yeah, have have certain locals, like in this case, I'm, I'm being honest, like this was a tournament, some tournaments, it doesn't matter. You can be out there two weeks and, Literally, a ton of pre-fishing could hurt you more than it, it could help you. Right. Just uh, condition change. or and Yeah, just because things change. In this case, because of the type of waters that I was fishing, I knew those fish weren't going to go anywhere. I mean, conditions could change, but I knew it was a matter of just like how many, how much, you know, the more time I could put into exploring a lot of these areas, the, the more it was going to uh, put the odds in my favor and also the more you know, spots I was going to be able to, to, between me and Cody, we had, we had a number of different areas to fish. And I think that was, you know, some of these areas, that area I fished the first day, uh, Drew Gregory hit it the second day and he only got 80 inches out of it. And, uh, take you know, that I, Drew. <laughs> I mean, I owe him to be honest. Cause I, I told, you know, I, I had a feeling he found it and I talked to him about it and he, uh, you know, without mentioning it, he's like, well, how about, you know, you take it the first day and then leave it for me day two and day three. And 
I'm like, all right, that works. <laughs> so I feel like I got a little the better end of the deal on on that one. Uh, and it was nice of Drew to, to do that. Um, but like I said, yeah, just, you know, some of these areas are a lot more susceptible to pressure and, and at the same time having, you know, that amount of time to pre-fish and find these areas, what was it? It was an advantage. I'm not going to lie about it. Like it was why I, I did well in that tournament. That's why I set that much time up before, because I, I knew that it would, it would make a difference. Yeah. It would benefit. And again, you weren't, there's no rules that you were breaking and it's, yeah. Yeah, like, it was all, competition's I mean, all about any I, advantage. I, I, just because it's, I mean, that's if I had a one, you know, if I had a choice to do any kind of fishing anywhere, it would be going to those creeks and rivers that I fish uh, and trying to catch big smallmouth. I mean, that's that's my absolute favorite thing to do. So the fact that I can, uh, you know, one pre-fish these areas and explore more areas, you know, that I, I still hadn't explored yet, that were, you know, going to be spots that I'm going to be able to go back to now and uh, you know, and hit on my, on my free time too. So I was, I was just excited about, yeah, doing some okay. exploring. Because you just said that, you know, that being what you want to do, what is your thoughts on the demand for the rule changes that you're seeing with some people and like, was it some with like communication? On well, the, the there's the, the communication on and off the water and then everybody wanting to pull the boundaries in change the rules launches launches i, mean, I can see the, i just i feel so you know with the way the rules are now the, the the hardest the people i have at the toughest are the tournament directors and just trying to manage all that i feel for for aj or, and chad and uh because it's god it's got to be just a pain in the ass to have you know all these just have so many questions as far as like launch areas whether it's you know is this legal to launch is this you know or, or just with boundaries and stuff like that just creates a lot of headaches. So, um, you know, you either got to, so I can see why they're going to like the set, um, the set lot, you know, bound, not boundaries, but the, uh, set launch points or whatever. I can, I can understand why they're doing that because I was a tournament director. I would just, it would definitely make things a little, a little, uh, easier to, to navigate. Um, just go as far as you want, as long as you launch from there. Yeah, yeah, and then you know it's just a debate whether whether you know in the Hobie and the Bassmaster series, uh, you can't get out of your kayak, so you can't you know it kind of restricts you from fishing some of those rivers and creeks and stuff like that. So it's pretty much. Well, what, what's your thought on that though? Does it like for me? And I said it on the episode with Drew. For me, it just takes like kayaking out of kayak fishing. I, I tell you know I was talking to Chad. He was trying to he's still trying to you know figure out what the he wants to make everyone happy i know and i know there's a lot of people that that love getting in those skinny waters i mean that's the, the essence of what kayak fishing is all about is to get in these areas that boats can't get into but at the same time like you gotta kind of figure out you either gotta have you know a strict boundary like hobie does it or you just gotta say like no boundaries as long as it's you know Right. Uh, you can get as far up a creek as you want, get out of your kayak and wade and do, you know, carry over shoals or, or just, you know, if it connects somehow. I don't know. That That's a way, too, which would just make it easier where there, there is no boundaries as long as it's connected. Uh, or you have a hard boundary like Hobie. But if you try to have, you know, if you at some point in all these creeks, there's going to become a point if you get up high enough, there's going to be an area that you can't float down. That's going to be too skinny. 
but it's just a matter of how do you really prove where where that point is you know if you're not if, if you're you know sitting behind a computer or whatever judging fish and stuff and you see somebody caught a fish way the heck up there i mean who, who knows you know if that's what hard lies, to tell if that's yeah. in pounds or not unless you're the actual person that's there you know i mean for yeah. every single i mean because of that throughout my pre-fishing and the tournament every single day uh, i had a video camera go i had a bunch of micro sd cards i documented every single day for two weeks uh every day i was out there on the water because if i ended up fishing an area and somebody said that's not you know within the boundaries i could show them a whole day's worth of footage of me floating down the whole the whole stretch and there were some areas where where it was skinny you know it was just a few inches deep and you're still float you know floating over uh but if it was just a little bit less water then it would have been would have been out of bounds uh the few areas we saw like that so um yeah yeah that's uh it, it's, it's it's a hot topic right now i just wanted to bring it up and get your take on it we we talked about it pretty good and then like my, my stand on it is I don't think everybody should have to be or be worried about changing these rules. I think these rules work great for KBF. And if there's no big complaints in that and Chad and their crew can handle it, then let it be. And then like, if you know, everybody wants, you know, Hobie to run their rule set, then run your rule set. You know, yeah. I just don't think everybody need. it's, we don't all need to have all these tournaments have all the same things. Like it's nice that there are different places you can go and do it in different you know, yeah. rule sets. Cause so like, like KBF, the KBFs and the Bassmaster, you do, it's hard to make everybody happy, but at least yep. as long as it's not all the same, at least there's like options. You're like, well, I kind of like this better. So I'm going to fish these tournaments or I kind of like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's having some differences. I think but, that's the, most of the reason I haven't fished a Hobie yet that, and like, I don't, I know for two years in a row, every time they scheduled a tournament, it's the weekend I have my kid and I wasn't going to, you know, change that around. But you know, I I was going to fish the one on Pickwick and then I like went into my area and s similar situations to what Drew found. Do I think it was legal? Yeah, but it's like, do you want to chance that and then have a great day and then lose off a of technicality, you know? Yeah. So it's just, you know, you just float that line and yeah. I just don't like doing that. So, yeah. But no, that's a... Yeah, that, you, that, that's a part I don't like is that somebody like drew in that situation he decided to go for it and you didn't but because there's gray you know it, it yeah the, the gray made it unfair and made it unfair in my mind you know that's that's all i want taken out is take out some of the gray yeah it, it, get more descriptive with the rules you know that's it's, the biggest thing. It's just the wordage and the description because there's so many different variables and different scenarios. Sometimes right. there's not like a, yeah, I think Chad had to, even before the tournament, he had to kind of explain and, you know, cause there's so many people fishing the creeks and rivers and stuff. He had to try to clear, clear things up and, and give some explanation of what's allowed and what's not allowed. And, and he I, did mean, I, I would be fine with a rule that would go with what you did. Like, if you plan on fish in an area that may, you know, may be questionable, film the whole thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. like if this is what you want to do, okay, you need to go spend some money on a little bit of extra SD cards and yeah. record the whole thing. And we can verify that, you know, uncut, unedited. Since, since that Hobie tournament last year, <laughs> I got disqualified or I had to disqualify myself. 
uh, since then I've, I've run a camera in, in tournaments every, every day, just in case something happens. Yeah. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Well, man, you you clean sweeped it, dude. You did you did killer. I mean, 282 inches over three days. That's just insane. Took home national championship, trail series championship, team cup championship, challenge series championship. You just everything and congrats, congrats, congrats on that. Yeah, I guess that's the it's a good ending to this year and definitely. I'm ending it. I got the Hobie TOC. Oh, that's right. right. I keep forgetting that one because I keep I don't hear it talking. I got another chance. I'm coming after that one too. We'll see. And that's on where's that one at? Huh? It's uh, Caddo Lake, uh, Louisiana, kind of on the border of Louisiana and Texas, just outside yeah. of Shreveport. Uh, there's only 50 guys. So it was 45 grand uh, for first on that one. You got right some good experience the down there. I've been there. This will be my third time there. Yeah, I, I know it pretty well, but there's going to be it's a pretty stacked field uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, so Did, do you have your money on anybody? Is it Cody? Cody's, Cody. Yeah. It's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since uh, you kind of put him in the back seat in his place at this one, I feel like he's coming for you even more. <laughs> yeah, if we end up fishing. Together, I think he's going to get first pick if we end up first pre-fishing together. <laughs> oh, you only won forty-five. Uh-huh. <laughs> you had a good day. Yeah, I think he he won over twenty grand in the yeah in the championship as well between all and three and he took home the angler of the year and got angler of the year. So I mean. And I was going to get him, invite him on the night too. And I decided uh, we're coming into the off season, obviously like the TOC is next, but yeah. this is when we get to kind of play around with our shows. So I decided we're just going to give him his own show to talk about his whole year and talk about that. But cool. so everybody listening, stick around for that. That'll be coming up soon. But um, yeah, man. So is there, uh, we're going to get to Dan here for a second to talk about his, uh, but is yeah. there anything else you wanted to, to say on the, the KBFNC or anything like that? I want to congratulate Dan for all his success. And was it uh, was it Chickamauga that you were just saying? Yeah, yeah. And you've yeah. never been there before, right? No, Daniel, you haven't. No, dang. Is it your new favorite lake, or how do you? Well, I, I love TVA. It just it just worked out in my favor. Like uh, you know, Jordan's on the team, and he knows it so well. He was like giving everybody different areas to go. And I was like, I don't know. I like this area. This looks good to me. And I went there, and I just landed on them, and uh yeah how, was, how are you was, catching your fish uh well during practice i was it was a little bit of everything but uh just kind of junk fishing is is pretty pretty difficult out there and um so just you know frog i mean everything from wacky rig to a frog i mean it's you know everything in between kind of the main thing i found was uh whenever the same sun came up they were sitting in the water was down so low that the pockets, the shallow pockets where you wanted to go back and fish in the grass, which, you know, uh, late October, Chickamauga area, that's what I was thinking initially going would be grass, frog, blah, blah, blah. And um, and the pockets were, the water had dropped so much that the pockets, there just wasn't enough water in there. 
So whenever the sun was out, the fish were really sitting outside of the pockets and isolated clumps of grass. And then we'd get in there whenever the sun came came up. So I was catching them on a, a small, because of a bait fish are so small, a uh, Yuzuri Radlin vibe, a three-eighths ounce small lipless. Cool. And um, that that's how I was catching them a lot. And then whenever tournament day rolled around, um, it was uh, also a secondary pattern was those pockets leading back into the pockets right at the mouth of the defined Creek channel going back into them is where some of the fish had pulled out to. So they were just kind of hanging out there waiting. And I went the first couple spots I went to kind of where I caught fish during practice. I thought it would be, you know, it'd be good. And there was nothing there. And then I go to this one pocket and I catch the first one was like a, I don't know, a 19, and it was a defined creek channel going back into a pocket. And then I catch an 18. And then I just start kind of doing a rotation. A couple of misses on a frog up in the grass. Because eventually, whenever the, the sun really came up, they moved from that defined creek channel up into the grass. And I, I was just kind of doing a rotation in this big, giant pocket. And then I caught a 20 and a 21 on a frog. And then that eventually died off. And I went to a few different areas, points, and some, like I was saying, isolated grass with a lipless and, and a couple small ones. And at the very end, I caught one on a uh, bluff wall on a wacky rig, and that was 17. So, and you, What was your best three, your best five, 96? 96 and a quarter. Yeah. In that tournament, though, there was it a five-fish limit tournament, or was it? There... It's 10 for a 10 per team. 10 per team. Okay. Cause I saw some people had more than five and I saw you had five. I'm like, well, you got five. You got five. The right yeah. You, you can, you can catch a bunch. I mean, okay. you know, however many you catch, you can put up on the board, Eight. but a lot of times by the end of the day, those fish will get cold down. So they okay. get, at one point they'll be in the stringer and then they'll kind of get taken out of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So five of five of my fish went towards the 10 fish stringer. Gotcha. So your 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 whole your team, whole. Jordan Marshall and a couple a few others. Yeah, we had well, we had seven people, seven out of eight people on our team actually went, and we all stayed in a in a house at Blue Water Creek Marina. If you're ever up there, that place is awesome. Cool. And um, we just kind of said, well, whoever does the best is going to be the four people that fish because you have four starters for each tournament. And um, mass I can't say mass mallard. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say it. They they brought four people is Derek Brundle, Matthew Conant, uh Ken Wood, and Dedario. I can't say oh, his last Joe, name. Joseph. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Joe Dedario. Yeah, yeah. That's a good team right there. Oh yeah, dude. And they won they won last year. It was the same four guys that went last yeah. year and they won it on check. And um for the four people that actually made it for us were me, Jordan, uh Coley McGowan, and Joe McElroy. And then we also had Chuck Wise, Lance Coley, and um, Nick Dyer. They their practices just their information helped us, but their practices weren't as good. So uh, so yeah, they did help us. And they the days that we were out on the water for the the day we were out on the water for a tournament, they I've got like hundreds of pictures Chuck took of me. So it was like having my own like Jeff did for you during your tournament. That's what Chuck did for me. Took picture is and you know, like me and Chuck are boys. We hang out. We fish. You know, me and him share a lot of stuff, and um, 
he's my Cody. He's my Cody to you, yeah. I guess. So and, are, in the KFLs, are you allowed to communicate on the water during yeah. the tournament? Yeah, total. You guys do that quite a bit, like working as a team like that? Uh, I don't because I other people's information messes me up, but I'm happy to give it out. If somebody calls me, I'll tell them what's going on, but it's almost impossible for me to take somebody's information the day I'm on the water and, yeah. and actually process that and make it work. It'll just be like, well, what the hell didn't I figure that out? Yeah. Why are they catching them? I'm not, you know, some <laughs> well, how do you guys, cause that's a big, uh, one of the big rule changes that's coming to next year. It sounds like with all the tournaments, so Bassmasters has already been like that, but how do you guys feel about uh, the rule changes for, for KBF and Hobie going to no communication on the water? I don't think, uh, I mean, I said before that I've like, I feel like you should be able to do whatever you want as long as it's, you know, in, in tournament with competitors. Um, Obviously not. Yeah. Right. On competitors is yeah. But, and then I think back to it though, but like, I can't tell you the last time I actually did that. Like where someone called me and was like, Hey, they're on a, you know, black and blue Cinco. You should be throwing that. You know, I, I talk to people as we pass by on the water, but so I don't know if like for me, it really changes anything. And I feel like it's probably true for some, or a lot of people, you know? Yeah. I, I, now I want to know how they enforce that. It just, I mean, Bassmasters has always done it uh, for all yeah. their tournaments. They never, you know, you can't do any on the water communicating. And I, I mean, what's the, the only way that they test you for that though? A polygraph? Your call log or take a lie detector. I mean, if you, you know, there's a lot of ways. Good point. That's what lie detector tests are for, you know? I, so, I think it's a, like in the KFL, it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. And, but that, but that's what makes it the great part of, about it. Sharing information. Like whenever I go back to the room during practice and I'm staying with other guys from the team, we share ever all the information and you learn, I've in the two years I fished KFL, I've said this a couple times, I've learned so much more. I truly feel like I've become a better angler because, like, we have Creek guys or, you know, Live Scope, Chuck's a Live Scope guy. And I get all these different perspectives of how they broke down the water, why they fished where they did, and how they caught fish in ways that I didn't. And then I can, I see that against what I did and what they did better and what maybe I did better sometimes. So for me, it's, it's been a great learning thing, but because that's a team environment, I think that calling people is okay. I would, I definitely, I would be on the side of, I prefer people not calling in a national event just because it's, it's individual. The only negative to that is I don't know how you, whenever you're doing a float or things, you know, yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'm almost surprised. I mean, I, 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 there's times a lot of, I'd say it's like 50, 50, I'd say half of the time when I'm doing tournaments, I won't talk to a person, uh, all day. It's pretty, pretty common. And I'd say that are half of the time, uh, you know, I will talk, talk to them most of the time. I guess when I'm struggling more to just as like a sounding board, I guess, to just me yeah. talking out loud and kind of figuring out things or just bouncing ideas more so than to, call to see oh what are they biting not you know and actually do what somebody else is doing but it's more just like having uh having somebody just to talk talk your way through something to kind of just talking out loud sometimes just gives you to just think outside the box or just to a little more creative. i mean one thing that i could suck totally is... see how like with them changing the rules to saying no communication I, I have nothing against that and i could totally see why 
some people don't like that and and i'd be perfectly okay with i think it's kind of a a learned skill too like you've learned over time you, you know like on the elite series those guys they share information whenever they go back to the room and they help like Brian knew, I forget whenever he's maybe it's down on St. John's this year where he was saying, yeah, me and my buddy, he knows that once I've caught my limit, he can have my spot because our number one goal is for each other to get a check. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, that's good, but they, they do it without communicating whenever they're on the water. Okay. So I, I think that there's still ways to kind of do it. I mean, it's obviously tougher in a kayak to get to one spot to another, but I, I think like it sounds like it would be a big, big change because you can't call each other, but you can communicate so much before and, you know, during practice days and all that, that you, you know. Yeah. I think every, I know there's been a little criticism just with, with some of the folks saying in like the Dakota lithium house, you know, Dakota lithium will, uh, for for some of the I've heard that the anglers yeah who are, are sponsored them they'll pay for our housing and our lodging right. and uh, and there's been some criticism I guess because a lot of those anglers that say they were some of the top anglers and it's like oh everybody's helping everybody they're all working together as a team and there's like some truth to that I guess but at the same time like a lot of times sharing that information like there's a lot of times being in a house with that many other good anglers is hurt me just as many times yeah. as it's helped me i'm telling you I, I, that's the feeling i got being in texas with you guys like really? <laughs> hearing you talk about it and uh bip and josh and everybody i was like oh my god what part of information do I? and it just like you're just like sometimes it's too much yeah it can hurt you or help you for sure uh sometimes it's hurt me sometimes it's helped me and but the one thing i'm, I'm you know for the people that give criticism to that i do think it's I don't know. I don't know if it's right because any, whether it's the Dakota house or any other, any other place that I've stayed with, with any group of anglers, there's, you know, three, four, five people all, you know, splitting on an Airbnb. It's the same exact conversations, the same exact thing that's yeah. going on. Yeah. That's, you know, it's almost impossible to be in a room with three, four or five other tournament anglers. And just everybody's just talking about, you know, not talking about, it's inevitable like it's that's gonna happen uh, i don't know I like most of the time i don't want to hear it i mean to be honest a lot but, of time, yeah there's times where i tell people like don't tell me i don't want to know where you're fishing i'll tell people in that house like do not do not tell me where you're fishing because sometimes you get six seven people in the house and this person's like oh i'm fishing here i'm fishing here and then next thing you know like there's nowhere to fish because everybody yeah. claims their spot, you know? Um, yeah. There's times we got to, and those are things we got to all kind of, whenever you're staying in a house with, with a group, you got to kind of navigate those, those uh, circumstances. Uh, oh yeah. No, I, I definitely, I don't, there, I, I don't mind the whole no calling thing. And I think that we will see a lot of that change, but at the same time, like, I can share me and Russ. Russ could tell me exactly what he's doing, exactly where he's doing it, and exactly what bait he's using it. And I'm still not going to catch those damn fish. I'm just going to throw yeah. that out there. Like you got to go catch them yourself. Yeah. You know, maybe some of it's fueled by a little bit of jealousy because maybe like you don't have that big team of top anglers to, you know, bounce information off of. But go make better friends or something. Yeah. Like that. I don't know. I mean, people are talking. <laughs> 
plenty of people are talking shit about Dakota House because they want to be in the Dakota House. I mean, I want somebody to pay for my stay too. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's whatever. It'll be a f- really fun to see what happens in this yeah. off season coming into schedule releases and big rule changes. I yeah. the biggest thing is the tournament director. You know, they're doing their best to try to make make everyone happy, and it, you know that's probably impossible to make yeah. everybody happy. You know, those poor are, poor people. Yeah, AJ and Chad. You know, and um. They're doing their best to try to just listen to what everybody's saying and, and make it make it fun, you know. So and there's there's big stuff coming for Bass too. Um, yeah, I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's been announced. Or I know some stuff. But everybody know. knows it's okay. Steve. Steve was running. Okay. No, it's not an announcement. From like if I had literally to put a dozen money, people, if I had if to put my money if, on it right now, that's what I would be saying. Yeah. No, Steve was going to be yeah running things yeah. next year. So I don't know if that was out there yet, but I'm really excited about. Uh, Steve O's awesome guys, one of the best friends, and he's, um, yeah, he, he does a great job running tournaments, and and I'm really looking forward to to jumping some of those Bassmaster events next year too. That's that's my goal. I'm, I mean, I have limited vacation time. I don't I don't live that rust life, but the, uh, but I'm planning on fishing all the bass ones next year. I think I'm gonna go the Scott Butcher route, open up a uh, like media business. I'm just gonna follow some of y'all around and get y'all some killer footage because I'm way better with cameras than fishing here lately. So. But uh, but yeah. So congrats on all your success in that one, and good luck to you coming up in the TOC down on Caddo. And Dan, since you're so modest, Dan's team took home the championship, took home a big payday from that one, like thirty grand that they splitting up between everybody. Um, and you got MVP of that event, dude. That's sick. So you know he won't say nothing other than not his little head over there. So, <laughs> but good job, dude. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh. Russ, is there, uh, like always, anybody you want to thank that helps make fishing easier sponsors, for you? Uh, Hi, Rod! Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Rod. Uh, Yakutek, Torquedo. Uh, uh, Yakutek, Torquedo, Dakota Lithium, Music City Outdoors, Wilderness Catch Outdoors, Wilderness Systems. I think that's all of them. Heck yeah. Well... Well, I Anything else? You guys, too, for, for having me on. I always, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I really enjoy talking to you guys. It's always yeah, a fun yeah. conversation. Anytime. We always take something away from it and learn something. And uh, you, you, and you, Adam, and Cody are probably like my three favorite people to have on because uh, it's always a good story. I wish we could have had Cody on like full black eye. Had Adam, he's in another room. I'll go grab him. No, we oh, don't I forgot about him. him. <laughs> I forgot he didn't win. He didn't get. I know. Well, we'll save it after he wins that Dale Hollow. I was fixing day. to say we'll save that for a couple weeks or yeah. a month or whatever it is, <laughs> and he'll be on for that one. But uh, you got to earn it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else, Dano? No, man. Appreciate well, it. All right, well, Russ, we appreciate it. We're up gonna... with hope, down with dope. What? <laughs> None. <laughs> up with hope, and down with dope. Is that what you said? Dope's cool too, though. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Russ, we appreciate it. We'll let you get out of here, man. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Take it easy. See you soon. All right. Another great episode. I can't imagine what it's like to win 50 G's fishing. I want to know what it's like. (laughs) Me too. I just keep trying to tell myself that one day, like all of my bad luck is going to equal one giant, just freaking win, whether it's like the Powerball or fishing. Honestly, I feel like I have more chance of hitting the Powerball than a big fishing tournament win. 
dude, I, I got some scratchers coming home from Chickamauga in Georgia. You know, I hit like the little tip of Georgia. No. Apparently there was a $2 million numbers hit in, at Florabama at the club or the bar right there. Somebody bought from the Florabama buy station and won $2 million. Like, yeah, they, they're probably like, oh, on a scratcher or like a... No, it was... Uh, so it's not... I don't know all the details of how the Powerball and the Mega Millions work, but there's like multiple ways you can win. And yeah. as the pot gets bigger, those smaller wins get bigger as well. Uh-huh. So it was a smaller win, but it was still $2 million. So... So after the government gets their half, you get like 30 bucks. One day, Jimmy. One day. We'll be one of those people. Well, we got real quick. I got five tournaments to go over here, so we'll get to it. Uh, First up, the Queen City Kayak Bass Fishing event on the Carolina Clash Lake. Oh, oh, it was the Carolina Clash Lake Norman, Mountain Island Lake, and Lake Wiley. 89 anglers with their infamous four fish limit. Jeremy Heath with 75 and a quarter for the win there. Adam Fillmore, 70 and three quarters for second. And Tyler Smith with 69 and a half for third. Nick, next up's the Mid Atlantic Kayak Bass Fishing Stop on Delaware, their final event. Uh, yeah, that's all it says. Don't Delaware. Anybody of water, public access on Delaware. Okay. 25 anglers, five fish limit. First place, uh, Gordy Killen with 83 and three quarters. Second place, Mike Russell, 82 and a half. And there's a typo because apparently Gordy got first. Oh, no. There's a Gordy Killen and a Gordon Killen. So Gordy was first and Gordon was third so congrats on that uh delaware paddle sports kayak bass fishing series oh it was the same there were two events going on same uh same winners for both sorry i should have read into that one a little further um next up is the well this is one i haven't heard of the food allergy kayak bass tournament on party reservoir um, all proceeds are donated to the Sean Ann Parker Center for Food and Asthma Research at Stanford. 51 anglers, five fish limit. First place, Pua Yang with 76 and a half. Second place, Joseph Tax with 75 and a quarter. And third place, York Cell with 74 and a quarter. And last up's the Urban Angler Club of Los Angeles uh, on Pudding Stone Lake. 36 anglers, uh, five fish limit. First place, Jonathan DeMonet with 86 and a quarter, the only angler to catch a limit. Second place, Joey Aquino with 77 and three quarters. And third place, Michael Leonis with 47 and a quarter. And that is it for the tournament, folks. Uh, another great show. We'll be back next week. And I don't know who we're going to get next week. We may get uh, see if we can get Cody on to talk about the KBF AOI and Russ punching him in the face. Uh, I don't know. We'll find something. Take that, Cody. Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked out. <laughs> Backed it up. Cody's lanky, though. I wouldn't want to mess with that dude either. He's, he's, he's probably got a long reach. I don't know why. I just yeah, look at got him. got a on him. I feel like he's like a jujitsu guy. Like, I feel like he'd wrap you up like a freaking spider monkey and choke you out. Just I, I could see that dude in a gi, for sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, all right, guys. It's been another great episode. Dan, thanks for joining me. And as always, you got anything else, Bubba? No. I talked to... A new sponsor tonight, so we'll see. Oh, I got yee. I got stuff in the works. There you go. Actually, I I did too. I need to talk about them, but we'll save that for next show. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next time, and we are out. Peace. Later. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com.
Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment